Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today I've chosen an episode in honor of the new year, Rain on New Year's Eve from Quiet Please. Quiet Please was the brainchild of radio and screenwriter Willis Cooper, creator of another legendary radio series, Lights Out. Quiet Please debuted on the Mutual Broadcasting Network on June 8, 1947. In September of 1948, the series switched to ABC and remained there until its final broadcast on June 25, 1949. In total, 106 episodes were made, every one of them written by Willis Cooper. Before creating Quiet Please, Cooper spent several years working as a screenwriter in Hollywood. His notable credits include multiple scripts for the Mr. Moto series starring Peter Lorre and the universal horror movie Son of Frankenstein starring Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. The latter film served as Cooper's inspiration for the story you're about to hear. Shooting on Son of Frankenstein began November 9, 1938, and the studio hoped to have a finished film by December 10th on a budget of $300,000. However, director Roland V. Lee decided to throw away most of Cooper's script in favor of a more improvisational approach to the story. According to actor Josephine Hutchinson, the director had a theory that dialogue learned at a moment's notice would be delivered more naturally. Lee's continual change to the script, including the expansion of Bela Lugosi's role as Igor, inflated the budget and extended the shooting time. Eventually, after missing several studio-mandated deadlines, Son of Frankenstein wrapped on January 5, 1939, with a final cost of over $420,000. We hope this background information will enrich your enjoyment of Rain on New Year's Eve from Quiet Please, originally broadcast December 29, 1947. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. so bright out you can read a newspaper. You can't read a newspaper by moonlight, only the headlines. Maybe if you take your newspaper out in the yard and stand in the moonlight, you might find a headline with my name in it. 
Schmidt's been there before. Well, anyway, so there's moonlight. Here yeah, there's rain. Like it was that other New Year's Eve. That's what the rain makes me think of. As if I ever thought of anything else. Listen to the rain. I was sitting in my office in the writer's court out there after we'd been on the picture for two or three months. Writing it, that is. They'd been shooting for about three weeks, but I was still on the picture because we had a producer that couldn't make up his mind, and the director was one of those guys, a sort of road company Hitchcock, you know. He makes the picture up as he goes along. Only there has to be a writer filed away someplace where he can find him when he runs out of ideas, which is not more than 11 times a day. So I'm dying. I go on the set and I find actors there I never heard of, speaking lines I never wrote in scenes I couldn't figure out. Then the director would get me in a corner and put the arm on me. This thing doesn't seem to quite gel, old man. You know? And me and my little typewriter go to work to unscrew things while the overtime and the gin army games go right on. <laughs> Great life, that. Well, so I'm sitting in my office, and the rain is on the roof, and the gas heater is frying my ankles while the draft from the window is giving my neck the deep freeze. Mary Lou, my secretary, comes in from her little cubbyhole next to mine. When do I get to do my Christmas shopping, Mr. Randall? You don't get to do your Christmas shopping, Mary Lou. Yes, I know. I didn't. What? Christmas was two days ago, Mr. Ramsey. Was it? Well, Merry Christmas. Are we ever going to finish this picture, for heaven's sake? Well, I'll tell you, Angel. Mr. Doty, the great director, is getting $3,500 a week. I know it. And, my dear, Mr. Doty has not got $3,500 a week for a long, long time, see? Uh-huh. So, Mr. Doty, the great director, is going to make $3,500 a week just as long as he possibly can, and characters like us can, you know what. That man. I have a different word for him, sweetheart. But as I was saying, if we leave it to Mr. Doty, this here picture ain't never going to be finished. A hundred years from now, somebody will come upstairs here and they'll find an old, old man with a long white beard speeding out the 59th revision of scene 456 and in the next room a little apple-cheeked old lady. Oh, cut it out. Yeah. Oh, when are they going to finish it? No kidding. New Year's Eve. Well, maybe there'll be champagne and stuff on the set. Yeah, no doubt. For the expensive actors and the producers and the fine, upstanding director. For you and me, a nice bottle of 60-cent claret imported from right over there on Ventura Boulevard. You're so funny. Yeah, on the contrary. Well, I'm getting awful sick of this, Mr. Ramsey. We've had to work every single night for the last four weeks. Do you realize that? You kidding? Do I realize? Go get me some coffee, will you, kid? I gotta stay awake for Mr. Doty. Coffee? I bet you and I could be elected president of Brazil all the coffee we've put away. Answer the phone. It's Doty. Well, we gotta be dignified. Oh, Lord. Mr. Ramsey's office. Who's calling to you? Oh, yes, Mr. Doty. He's here. I'm always here. Ramsey. Yes, Mr. Doty. What seems to be the trouble? I see. Yes, I see, but Mr. Doty, I... Well, 
Well, that'll mean rewriting practically all the... Well, yes, I know. I mean... That, but what do you gain that way? What? Two monsters? Well, what's two monsters got that one monster hasn't? Oh, yeah, sure, but who scares who? Uh, whom, I mean. But, Mr. Doty, I saw a picture once with two monsters in it, and it was silly. What? Oh, you directed it. Uh, well, uh, well, well, I'll be right over. Skip the coffee, Mary Lou. Two monsters? Two. Count them two. And I'll lay you six, two, and even, but by the time I get to the stage, you'll be hollering for three. Take your raincoat. It's raining pitchforks. Maybe one of them will stab me. I better tell you about this monster stuff. Uh, this was a horror picture, you see. Kind of the poor man's Frankenstein. Yeah, they couldn't get Karloff, naturally, and... They couldn't use the Frankenstein monster makeup because Jack Pierce over at Universal invented that. I guess Universal owned it. So they had me dream up a monster. And boy, did I dream one up. There's an old book. It's called... No, I guess I won't tell you what it's called. Well, you don't want to take those old books too seriously I kind of swiped this monster out of the book. Well, you'll never see the picture, I suppose, so maybe I'd better tell you a little about him. No, well, I guess I won't either. He was... He was the most horrible monster I ever saw. No kidding. And what the makeup department did with my sketch and my description. Oh, boy. Just one thing I'll tell you about him, and you can figure out the rest for yourself. He didn't have any face. You take it from there. But don't kid yourself. He was a thing. They got Ollie Tharp to play the goon. Nice fella, quiet, always grinning, modest. Good actor. Last guy in the world you'd expect to play a monster. Oh, yeah, sure. Karloff did the Frankenstein thing, and he's the mildest-mannered guy in the world. I remember him on the Son of Frankenstein set years ago in his monster suit all gray and green, showing pictures of his new baby to people. <laughs> That's a laugh. Well, I, I guess monsters are human sometimes, huh? Yeah, maybe humans are... Yeah. Well, all right. I spend three hours listening to Mr. Doty run off at the mouth with the whole company having the screaming memes over all this nonsense. It's five minutes to twelve when he finally decides to quit and everybody goes home. They're all burned at Doty, but well, they'll wake up in the morning and remember the overtime and they'll feel better. Me? Writers don't get overtime. So I get back to the writer's court and the light's burning in the window and Mary Lou's snoring away with her face in a stack of carbon paper. She wakes up and asks me a question. How many monsters now? We got four now. See? Including me. So the next morning it's not raining anymore. The sun is shining bright, and you can see snow on top of the mountains, and it's a very nice day. And monsters are pretty hazy in my mind as I pick up my copy of the reporter and head for the rickety stairway to my 
palatial office. I'll tell you how much good the sunshine did me. I was whistling as I climbed up the stairs and opened the door. You might as well turn off the whistle. Mr. Doty's looking for you. Yeah, now what? He says it's very important. Yeah, two more monsters. Your coffee's on your desk. Steaming cold, no doubt. I just brought it up. Give me 15 cents. Well, it's your turn to buy this morning. I bought yesterday. All right, all right. Hello, no, he isn't here yet. Ah, go ahead. Mr. Ramsey's office. Yes, Mr. Doty. Morning, Mr. Doty. How are you? Oh? No kidding. Why, that's fun. What? Oh, of course. Yuck, 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 yuck. Yes, sure. What's up? Why, sure, Mr. Doty. Yes, sir, I'll be right over what? He has to finish the picture definitely by 12 midnight, December 31st. Oh, that's what you said last night. Well, I was kidding. You know how it goes in the story. I forgot. Well, I mean the way it was originally. You know, this this monster only has power the last hour of the year. Oh, yes. Remember, it was a New Year's party, the whole picture? It's been so long ago, I forgot how we started. Well, don't you remember our big payoff scene? She thinks the monster is her wicked uncle? Who thinks? You know, the babe with the teeth. The groom girl with a blue dress. Oh, yes. Remember, she, she thinks the monster is her uncle and she tries to rip his mask off and it ain't a mask? Something like that. And the that. house is on fire and he grabs her and runs inside the house and our hero busts in after her and rescues her. Some way I never had a chance to figure out. But how would he do it without his glasses? He'd fall over the stoop. What stoop? There's hundreds of them in pictures. Drink your coffee and go see Mr. Doty. Maybe he's changed his mind. No, he can't change his mind. The front office put the big fat arm on him or else. Whoopie, baby, three days and we can sit down and rest. Away from this place. You can say that again. Tell him I ain't here. Well, sir, that sunshine looked better than ever to me. But when the big door of the stage swung shut behind me, the sunshine sure disappeared. Well, Mr. Doty was an unhappy man. Well, three more days and there wouldn't be any more of those $3,500 is. And he didn't like it a little bit. And guess who he took it out on? This is the worst story I ever had to work with. It positively smells bad. I didn't say it's your story, Mr. Doty. All I got left is a monster and he'll probably turn out to be Santa Claus or somebody. Did you listen to me when I told you how to do it? I didn't say. I listened to you, Mr. Doty, and now look what we got. Now I have to give up my beautiful idea of having three monsters instead of one. Because then we'd have had to reshoot practically the whole picture, and you'd have made another million bucks. (laughs) I didn't say that either. So, if you think you could possibly dredge up your original script, I think I can possibly make it into an acceptable B picture. Although that's a task even for a director like me. Mr. Doty doesn't realize what an unconscious humorist he is. That guy could make a B picture out of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Even if he had the original cast. Oh, get to work. Get to work and do something. Have I got to do everything around here? Get a move on you. Oh, I got a move on me. Even if you think I dislike that guy up to now. What? You've got to get some sleep somehow. You've been on your feet for almost two days, Mr. Ramsey. Yeah. Well, mm, where were we? Scene 168. Long shot and period match tonight. 
From the top of the stairway, Stygia appears indistinct in the shadows. We sense, rather than see, the twisted evil form of the monster as he peers over the balustrade. From the foreground right, the butler appears and stops slowly up the stairway. As he reaches the fourth or fifth step, the camera starts to move in to follow him. We crane up the stairs and the camera holds on the last three steps as the butler reaches the top. Cut to... Hey, wake up! Oh, I'm sorry. Where were we? Ramsey, you've got to get some sleep. Lie down for ten minutes. Gee, I'd sure like that. Mr. Ramsey's office. I'm not here. Yes, Mr. Doty. All right. All right, all right. Hello? Yes? Sure. I'll be right over. Oh, Mr. Ramsey, I was... You know what, Mary Lou? Well, put on your coat. It's raining again. You know what? What? I wish I was a monster. You know, I was a tired little fellow. I didn't have any Thanksgiving. I ate a bent ham sandwich in my office that day because Mr. Doty had to have three new scenes Friday morning. He called me at the office to see how I was doing. He just finished his Thanksgiving dinner. I didn't have any Christmas. I locked the door of my office and baked my brains out on a whole new sequence Mr. Doty had caught up. All around me, people were drinking whiskey and chasing each other through the corridors and up and down the stairs. I didn't have any Sundays and I didn't have any evenings. I, my friend, damn near lost my mind. All the time, Mr. Doty... Wow. It's no wonder that by New Year's Eve I was ready to hire a man with a cleaver to extirpate the guy. But I didn't. Nope, I sure didn't. At 9 o'clock he called me over to the set again. Could I rewrite some dialogue? <laughs> well, I crossed him up on that one. I threw out the hash he'd made of my original dialogue and substituted what I'd originally written. It played okay. After... Seven different takes, all exactly alike. I went back to my office in the rain. Mr. Ramsey's office. Yes, Mr. Doty. Yes, Mr. Doty. I'll tell him. Mr. Ramsey. I heard you. He needs you right away again. Okay, okay. You poor thing. Only another couple hours. Take it. Take your raincoat. It's raining cats and dogs. You're telling me. That time it was a little piece of action he couldn't get through his ivory head. I explained it in words of one syllable, carefully avoiding the four-letter ones. He thanked me, old boy. And I went out into the rain again. Rain. What rain in California can do to you? I heard of a fellow that jumped into the Los Angeles River once after a week of rain. Ordinarily, he'd break his ankle, but he drowned. You know, it just comes down steadily. Well, I know I could probably be a lot more graphic than that, but that's all there is to rain in California. It comes down steadily. Ice cold. Steadily. Yeah, of course, it always stops about the time you've decided to start out on foot for the east. The sun shines and poinsettias bloom and the hills are green. 
Oh, man, it's wonderful. I guess they have the rain like hitting yourself on the head with a hammer. It feels so good when you stop. Yeah, that's a bum gag, but I was a pretty beat-up character. Three more times that New Year's Eve in the rain. The guy getting meaner and meaner each time. Well, at least it was going to be over pretty soon. It was ten minutes to eleven when I came into the office and Mary Lou took my coat from me. You've just got to get a little sleep, Ramsey. Now, you sit down at your desk and put your head down and catch 40 winks. Thanks, Mary Lou. If I had to see that man just one more time tonight, I would be responsible. I'm not kidding. I know. You go to sleep. Well, kid, you're as all in as I am. Well, at least I don't have to face him. He's got to stop at midnight. As soon as he's through, should you and me go someplace and have a New Year's drink? I, I don't know whether I could keep awake. Well, let's try, huh? Okay. <laughs> Anybody ever tell you you're a nice gal? Couple of people. <laughs> I could marry a gal like you. Don't kid people, Ramsey. I'm not. You see how you feel when you wake up. I think I love you. I wish you meant that, Ramsey. I do. Kiss it from good night. Ramsey, you're sweet. Dodie was fighting, and I saw Dodie bite the monster's hand. 
was so real, I could almost feel it. And then everything got black in my dream, and, and there were a lot of a lot of bells ringing, and well, that's what woke me up. So I raised my head, and of course, there I was in my office. And I pulled myself out of it a little, and then I knew what the bells were. They were bells ringing in the new year. The rain was hammering on the roof, and it was tomorrow. So I got up and hollered for Mary Lou. Mary Lou! Hey, Happy New Year, Mary Lou! And she didn't answer. I stepped through the door into her little office. And she was lying on the floor behind her desk. And the look on her face was something I never want to see again. It was a look of the most awful horror anybody could imagine. The kind of look you'd expect to see on the face of someone who'd been literally frightened to death by a monster who had no face at all. So I stood there. After a few seconds, I heard people yelling outside, and I heard somebody yell that Holly Thorpe had killed Doty. Somebody else said, no, Holly Thorpe was dead, too, with a broken neck in his dressing room. And my hand hurt. When I raised my hand to look at it, right across the thick of my palm were teeth marks. Deep, bloody teeth marks where Doty had bit me when I strangled him. See, that's why I say never take any of those old books too seriously. Remember I said I wished I was a monster? Remember what the book said? The monster only possessed his murderous power for one hour, the last hour of the year. New Year's Eve again. And it's raining. Got anybody you want murdered? about a man who was haunted. It's called The Little Visitor. And so until next week at this time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chapel. Quiet Please comes to you from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That was Rain on New Year's Eve from Quiet Please here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that one is picked by Joshua yes. for New Year's Eve tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's more than in the title. That once a year turning into months. It's great. It was a great choice for our New Year's broadcast. I also chose it because uh, the three of us recently watched Son of Frankenstein yeah, together, exactly. too. Again, for listeners who may not know, we don't discuss these at all other than here's the list that we're going to discuss in the recording session. Listen to them. And so this moment is the first time we talk about it. So 
I get this. Uh, listen to this quiet, please. Okay. I start listening to it, and I go, wow, he was mad about Son of Frankenstein. <laughs> wow, he did not enjoy his time there. And I knew the story behind it anyway. And this is a bitter man that went through. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just brought an axe and recorded himself grinding it for 25 minutes instead of writing the script. (laughs) I'm selling it short. There's a lot that I really like about the script. Mm -hmm. It's half cautionary tale, half revenge tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) And what he fails, Willis fails, I think, I don't know, maybe he did realize it someday. Son of Frankenstein is brilliant. It's a really good movie. It's shot gorgeously it's a great story it's well performed i I think he's clearly critiquing the process correct doesn't say much about the final outcome but he did have most of his work thrown away (laughs) but he so really didn't write end up writing much of it Mm -hmm. but i think the choices that were made by the director and producers they turned out really well the expansion of lugosi's role all of it uh, it's a beautiful movie i love that movie Mm -hmm. but it's always hard to be mad about your process being thwarted and then find out that the other it's my relationship with joshua (laughs) (laughs) and then they have to go oh he was right he was right i wanted him to be wrong but he was right again yeah it was like a diary i'm so mad at the people i work for (laughs) i was really struck by because we've talked before in the past about how well comedy and horror or suspense go together. They work on similar rhythms, and this almost minute by minute, I was never sure of what the next minute was going to be. Was it going to be hilarious? <laughs> sometimes it was. Was it going to be creepy? And sometimes it was. It was a very fun trip for me to have it finally land on that last funny beat. It took a oh, long yeah. time for me to figure out what this was about, and I think that's on purpose and... Not a lot happening for a while other than a guy just mad at the movie industry in the process <laughs> before we realize it's a story of the monster that he wrote somehow comes to life and is real and kills a person he hates and a person he doesn't hate, which is, oh, there's so many layers. It took a long time to get to a story. I, it's agree. a slow burn. Slow burn. And, and so knowing the background, it was kind of fun for me. Of Like, you're going to live here for about <laughs> yeah. 10, 15 minutes before you get to you it. You yep. go through the same process he's going through. Yeah, you are there. stuck there <laughs> being called back mm-hmm. over and over again and enduring this director's random uh, requests. And that, to me, is the most entertaining part. I think very purposely... The monster stuff is tacked on at the end to give it yeah. a, a horror quality that matches the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, he couldn't just do a half an hour of complaining. <laughs> I, mean, I think he could. He was, sure. <laughs> Sorry, right. once again, one... I really hate this guy. The end. Dun, but as dun, Tim dun, points dun, out, you dun. don't ever know whether it's a satire right. or a piece of horror, and it moves back and forth. And just like you pointed out about the ending... There's an element of it that is this satisfying revenge fantasy because he kills the director, but he also kills his secretary, mm-hmm. who and the well, also she... the sweet man who played yeah. oh yeah the monster. Yeah, so it feels like it ends in this really sour note until he asks the audience, "You got anyone who needs murdering?" Because <laughs> he basically invites us into his own revenge fantasy. It's like it's great. Try it. <laughs> it's open ended though, which is what I like about this in the sense of. He has a dream, and he, in his dream, he sees himself from the same perspective as the monster, and then when he wakes up, they're actually dead. So, 
Was it actually a dream? Did he make the monster come alive with his writing? Do you know what I'm saying? I think you're supposed to believe it 100% because he has the same bite on his hand Mm -hmm. from the dream. So he slept, walked, and killed them? You're working hard there, Eric, and I admire it. I'm trying to figure (laughs) out, you know what I'm saying, what did exactly happen? I think he was possessed by the monster. And he went out. I think within this narrative, it's a real deal. He messed with an ancient tome, a stand-in for the Necronomicon, and got burnt. So he wasn't dreaming. He thought it was a dream when he was killing these people. Mm -hmm. There we go. Thank you. All right, Tim, tell him stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm satisfied. Fun detail that I didn't know, but Joshua told me when we were watching Young Frank, not Young Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, the Necronomicon was supposed to make an appearance in Cooper's script. Mm -hmm. I've read some excerpts from Cooper's original script, and there is one really brilliant scene where... Wolf Frankenstein is in his father's study, and he's uh, running his hands along the spines of the books in his father's study that he remembers his childhood, and he's reading them off. And then he closes his eyes and just by touch keeps reading off the titles of the books because he remembers the order of them on the bookshelf, which I think is a beautiful scene. But one of the books he mentions as he's running his hand along the spines is the Necronomicon. (laughs) So I found that extra interesting to hear a dark, evil book (laughs) in this story. Uh, And the deadlines being pushed back in the story are very similar to the same deadlines as the real son of Mm. Frankenstein. And I even wondered if the joke with adding a second monster was a reference to adding all the parts for Lugosi. Lugosi as oh, of course Igor. it is. That's how I took it, yeah. at least. It was funny to me as a modern listener of like, ah, oh, why well, have a second monster? I have a shared universe. We're going to add a second superhero <laughs> to this thing. No one wants that. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, I'd like three monsters, please. <laughs> yeah, army of them. Uh, I really yes. loved the gag work the script had changed so many times that he and his secretary could not remember the original premise. (laughs) They were like (laughs) trying really hard. What was the script we wrote? (laughs) Which had to be exactly how we felt going through that process and going on set and watching. There's that great line, watching actors say, words I never wrote. And I think he must have known that this, even in 1947, would have been interpreted as a axe job on Son of Frankenstein. So he goes out of his way to name check Karloff and make this writer character, Ramsey, someone who worked on the set of Son of Frankenstein and really thought Boris Karloff was a great guy. Yeah. He was like, I'm not talking about Boris Karloff here, people. (laughs) Let's be really clear. (laughs) Right. It's the director. Uh, He even gives uh, Jack Pierce a name check, who was the real guy who designed the makeup of Frankenstein. So it's such an interesting blend of being autobiographical and an utter fantasy at the same time mm-hmm. that makes it really appealing. Uh, we go over it over and over again. We're ready to talk about Quiet, Please, but this premise would probably fall on its face if it weren't for Cooper being such a good writer and Chapel being such a good performer. Yes. Just to state the obvious. If you're not familiar with the axe that he's grinding, what is this story? to someone who doesn't know that. I think it still has legs myself because I think it's a successful Hollywood parody. I think the facts about the behind the scenes workings of Son of Frankenstein is just icing on the cake. Right. It works without knowing those. If you don't know that, you think that... For me, it does. And if you don't know it, you could probably listen to this and go, 
that guy was a screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that comes from somewhere real. Yeah. Right. He's and mad. swollen. <laughs> swollen. <laughs> the other gag structure I like is the one of the final conversations with uh, Doty, the director, where Ramsey starts each of his lines with, I didn't say, <laughs> and then says some sarcastic thing that he wanted to say. It's just a, yeah. a nice structure. So he used this as his opportunity to say all those things that he didn't say. Yeah, that you think of after you walk away. <laughs> or, or censor yourself in the moment, right, either right, one. Right, which I apparently don't uh, possess that ability. <laughs> apparently, that is beyond my skill set. Tim, a... you're not dressed very well today. <laughs> See, there we go. Actually, you look great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, Eric's would be. What I didn't say is, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a little file that people have in their mind of this should be said, but instead I'll put it in this little file. Yeah, keep it. Go back and look at it later. I don't have that file. <laughs> file missing. <laughs> And if I do, it doesn't stay in the file. I just come home and open up the file and throw it at my wife. <laughs> Meaning, I just unload on her. Yeah. Ah, this guy and that guy. Nice to see him. Nice to see you too, sweetie. <laughs> well, uh, any other thoughts on, on this? I really like how Cooper uses rain in here. Obviously, it's in the title. But in typical Cooper fashion, he uses that motif of continually being called out into the rain and he keeps talking about the rain and maybe it's because i live in minnesota it gets to that point where he's starting to attach the indignities he's being put through by doty to the rain and it becomes not a random act of nature but it's just like something personal that's <laughs> it's like great it little section raining. where he's sort of embarrassed that he can't find a better word for it than steady yeah <laughs> and then just goes on about in a sort of very eloquent way if it's just steady and that it keeps going and it's the same and and obviously it's reflecting He's, his work on this film, but it's just that nice added layer that makes it more interesting than a lot of other scripts to me. Are you saying that's uh, how you feel about snow? Yeah, I mean, it's like that classic Fargo scene where, yeah. where he's scraping the windshield and just does the cry to the heavens because it's just like, <laughs> it's personal now. Right. This is trying to stop me from doing what I need to do right now. I am under attack by snow. <laughs> sure is pretty. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm putting it in the file. <laughs> Can we send this thing to a vote? Yeah. Or... Joshua, here you go. <laughs> oh, boy, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't think it's a classic, and I don't think it's a classic of Quiet, Please, but it's one of my personal favorites. It's obviously of historical interest because it has this specific connection to uh, Son of Frankenstein. But more than that, I think it does stand the test of time because it, as I said, it blurs the line between autobiography and fantasy. It's this cautionary tale while still being cathartic. Right. Um, you know, or as Cooper puts it, that blurring in contrast between man and monster and how easy it is mm -hmm. for one to become the other, particularly in the magic world of Hollywood. Um so in that way, it feels really postmodern. It feels mm -hmm. like it could be made today. I would like to see the Coen brothers make <laughs> a short out of this. It, that's what it reminds me of, that mix of darkness and It's kind of Barton humor. Finky. There, yeah. There's a little bit of that there. Barton Finky, if we may say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. 
So yeah, I really like it. Have you seen Barton Fink? Oh yeah. Oh, Finally, I could jump on board with a reference. <laughs> you know what Barton Fink was to me? Two hours of show watching John Goodman sweat. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> so much sweating. Tim, uh, I might actually call this a classic, just because I love the writing, which I always say that Willis Cooper, but this is particularly on a, a razor's edge of just personal axe grinding funny and genuinely scary at points and the historical context of it is a particular movie that he's kind of grinding acts about that i have an interest in which some aspect of calling a classic is based on personal opinion but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah classic well i lean more toward joshua in the sense that i don't find it to be a classic or a classic of quiet please and i i do think that i'm tainted in my enjoyment of this from the perspective and i will disagree with you a little bit that I, i do believe it has legs uh, without the knowledge of what this was about, but it doesn't have as much impact without knowing mm-hmm. that. And I think that from someone from the outside, this might be really slow and weird. I- I'm not 100% sure that it does have all the legs. <laughs> is that what you want to say? How many legs does it have, Eric? <laughs> it needs four, and it's got three and a half. Oh, well, that's not bad. You can still get around. <laughs> it's just like, what's going on? This guy's awfully mad about something. <laughs> Uh, and I also think that it does teeter for me on the edge of just a guy complaining. But I did thoroughly enjoy it from the perspective of I know what's going on. But again, and I think Tim said it, if it wasn't for Willis and Chapel, they really pull it out. There's great writing and great performance. Yeah, oh, yeah. What's the, the one line? That guy could make a B picture out of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Yeah. If he had the original cast. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. You can comment on episodes. You can leave us a message. You can link to our social media. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, that's the way to do it. You can also request episodes. We will get to all the requests eventually. We're about a year behind, but we'll get there. I don't think we're a year behind. I think we have a year too many requests. Let's, yes. Let's blame the listeners for that. Sure. <laughs> Way to put a positive spin on that. Uh, you can also... Now We're going to shut our request down on New Year's Eve. I know. <laughs> and now I'm going to ask them for money. I really screwed this up. <laughs> no, All right, we, you needy people. <laughs> We love your requests, and we're going to tear through them as quickly as we can. Uh, it would be helpful if you send us money, though. We can get through them faster. <laughs> <laughs> so please go to patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. Go to iTunes, write a review. Um, but please, for sure, uh, like us on Facebook. Join our Facebook discussion group. As I've mentioned in the last couple episodes, uh, we are going to be voting and are currently voting in a series of polls on the best and worst of the old-time radio we have featured on this podcast this year. So please vote and we'll be giving out those awards sometime in the beginning of the new year in the next few weeks i would imagine yeah fun i can't wait <laughs> i can't i am so curious to find out how much everybody disagrees with my votes <laughs> uh, also if you would like to see us perform live we do recreations of old-time radio shows as a theater company and we also do original works of uh, radio drama. Uh, just go to the mysterious old radio listening society.com to find out a list of where we are performing and what's coming up. Speaking of what is coming up next, we have a listener request. It is an episode of escape called the dark wall until then. Look out! New Year's Eve again. You got anybody you want to murder? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>